in the seasons of each of our human lives, there has been conception and birth. We are here. You are here. I am here. We are alive, breathing, existing, being, doing, enacting. Hopefully, heaven on earth, enacting. We are consciously and unconsciously, to the best of our ability, according to our history, our predilections of genetics and culture, our methodologies of how we've been raised in a particular era, a particular generation, and the direction of our virtue, or the lack of direction of our virtue. All too often, human history has been an excuse for what we didn't feel like doing yet, didn't want to do now, might not ever do unless we felt like it. And right now our planet is in a state of increasing temperature, which will increase based upon our alignment with virtue, our alignment with being born in a deep state of the heart, soul, and breath, allowing heaven to move through us willingly with the quality of the seasons of our lives. The moment we were born, <clears throat> we entered the season of birth, of infancy, of extreme youth. For many families, this is a time of great joy, a new baby, a name to choose, the health to regard, warm clothing, cool clothing, times of feeding, times of napping. Every action is studied, the first step, the first lifting of the head, the baby gazing into the grandfather's eyes, the baby held in the grandmother's arms, the new mother astonished at the experience of this little one who has been within her, now held at her bosom, now tucked in for the night. <clears throat> Does his cry or her cry mean that he or she is thirsty, hungry, wet, needs to be changed, needs to be held, needs to be allowed solitude and resting in the same room, listening to his or her family all about? And every person and culture has different affinities with how we move. One grandmother might say, let the baby be for an hour in the morning so that they hear you in the kitchen. They hear you greeting the day. And they don't always need every moment to be held. They are held by your soul and your heart and the beginning of your day. And then go in and pick them up in your arms. There you are. Well, hello, little one. Another grandmother might say, <clears throat> the first thing we pick the baby up and wrap him or wrap her in a little uh, carrier tied in the front or back. When I first <clears throat> journeyed to Asia in the late 1970s, there were exquisitely beautiful embroidered carriers like this all around southern China. They were so beautiful, the embroidery the work. And when I stopped to regard some of them in a small shop, the women were fascinated that I was curious about them. And I bought about six of them. They were about $4 US a piece. I bought them to take home for family and friends in the future years. They were just 
so tenderly worn by the women and several of the men in China at that time. Part of an old folk tradition, the embroidery of symbols for prosperity and long life, for the blessing of the beautiful life. So one is born into this, <clears throat> or someone is born and we think, oh, we have enough children. And a child thinks, I'm born not quite wanted. I'm born not strong enough in my health and well-being. I'm born when there is not enough affluence to easily feed me and also bring shoes for my mother this winter day. So we are born into a season of the mood of our own temperament in our genes and our own soul's history <clears throat> and into a sense of destiny, a direction of possibilities, a direction of divine guidance. We are born into the season of the mood of our parents and extended family and into the mood and the cultural language of our society. So a great deal of what occurs in our lives is based upon ripples as if we were dropping a small stone into a pond or a still body of water. The great Buddhist teacher or sage Thich Nhat Hanh would use this as a metaphor for teaching. He would say, we are very much, <clears throat> these are in earlier years of his teaching, 1980s and early 90s, he would speak of, of what he was facing in himself increasingly being like looking out over humanity and at his path. And he would enter the day and he would say, it's as if I've dropped a small pebble into a small pond or lake of water. <clears throat> and the pebble is moving down, down, down until it sits on the bottom of the pond or lake in the silt or the earth or the other stones and finds who it is, finds itself in that still pond or that still pool, that still lake. And his life was very much that way at that time. If he regarded his life from earlier decades, he found that the season of those earlier decades was one of turmoil from a graceful childhood into a radical adolescence, the first Buddhist monk to ride a bicycle, to challenge his abbot at Hue, wanting to he wanted to translate, Tai did, <clears throat> the old books from the archaic language that only a monk might know into the modern vernacular so that anyone could read the Buddhist statements. And rather than working with his abbot, he worked against him. I'm going to translate and see what he thinks of this. Taking, I will take a position against him, against the old way. <clears throat> and then he, he tried to go forward, but he would kind of go forward and back because, of course, the society would touch back against him in disagreement. <clears throat> so he described those early decades from his adolescence through his middle to later years, let's say in his 60s, as if they were not a pond or a pool, but a river or a, a stream flowing, and that the, the seed or stone of his soul dropped into that creek, that river, was moving with a strong current, 
I can't find my way back to heaven or to the bottom of that river. It was that the current was pushing and pulling him back and forth. You're leaving Vietnam for Columbia for a fellowship. You can't come back or we'll kill you. Oh, we don't really want you to stay in America, though. Better go to France. Well, we don't really want you here either, but you can stay. But you don't have any money. What are you going to do now? Then he acquires a small farm with a lot of debt. The crops fail. It's a very wet and cold winter. And he comes to a great heartbreak. And he finds this quality I'm speaking of in seasons. I must be born now. I must be born now. In myself. This season. For every season that has gone before me in time. And into every season I am blessed and privileged to live. I must be born now. This moment, this breath, this day, this season. For all the seasons I am to express must come out of my truly being born. Paying attention to the cycles rather than to my own self-important identity. So when this turn occurs within a human being, we realize that the mockingbirds call in the spring and summertime here where I am in Texas. Different birds would have called in Vietnam when Ty was a young boy. Different birds, some of which I know, would have been calling to him at Columbia University in New York City. Different birds, some of which I know, would have been calling to him in France, near Paris, where he was with Sweet Potato Village. And then in the great failure of that village, his very difficult time. And then his moving further south to the area of the Dordogne, east of Bordeaux, very ancient, anciently inhabited part of Europe, in which he found something in the land, the terrain, the trees, the seasons of the farmers as they faced him. And what Ty found there was when he spoke to the farmers, he and they recognized in one another the cycles of the year. When is the best time for the planting of the plum tree? Well, I'd prefer to plant apples. No, it's too warm here for them to go well. The fruit will be mealy and not good. Plums would be better. And farmer after farmer, in each his own way, told Ty the same thing. Well, then we will plant plums. He was receptive to their wisdom because he had failed with the sweet potatoes further north. One season of a difficult field led to the new field before us every day. Oh, the birth of this season. This occurs when we are born, conceived and born, 
And we don't usually realize the subtle nuances of the moods of the physicians or midwives who birthed us, the relatives, the neighbors, the villagers or urbanites around us from the time we take our first breath and our first step out from infancy into toddlerhood and childhood. But we are actually like a painting or a sculpture. The hues and colors and tones or the sculptural forms and planes of geometry and existence that are from many, many other people. So a thousand times I've spoken of Dr. Mulcahy, who welcomed me in his blessed hands the moment I was born and took care of my tender little girl's child's body all the years of my childhood. From God through him and his wife Cece and their family and the home with the office downstairs, my life safely walked through all of the seasons of my life from conception and birth through the first 12 to 13 years and then we moved away to a different town. And the mood of my safety was different in the season of my entering my adolescence without that man beside me, physically, in the aura of the town of Corning as we moved to another town, and then as I went out into the world and into the world and into the world. And what was the first thing I did on my own in China? I went and bought baby carriers. I watched the people and how they cared for their babies upon their bodies. Where did I learn this from? My mother, my father, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles and cousins who were their babies and children. And from Dr. Mulcahy, who received me into his hands, <clears throat> and then I took my first breath. So when we speak of Thich Nhat Hanh and his coming to this understanding in his 60s, oh, I must be born here in the Dordogne, receiving from these farmers a different kind of tree than grows in my native Vietnam, to which I'm not allowed to return. And then, of course, he was allowed in his last decade of life, in his 90s, to return to Vietnam in a very blessed and joyful way, so filled with the meaning of the seasons of every person of Vietnam, including Thai and including me. What a blessed life. Through all the ebb and flow of the currents pushing and pulling on that man's life, we find peace. We find the direction of our hearts is to heaven. We are students of holiness. We are students of humility. We are students of honor or dignity. When we turn to the noble possibility born in every conceived baby and every born child, and in the same way to our very hearts, 
and we bow to that in one another, we will always know the direction of our own birth into every season we are privileged to live to the length of our years.